This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time, and we are back with the one and only, and yes, legendary investor, Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm great today, Michael. Good to see you. Oh, thank you very much. So, hey, I want to talk about, uh, first off, folks, if you don't follow uh, Anna, REI mom, uh, Kelly on Facebook, you are doing yourself a disservice. She puts out lots of thought-provoking posts, uh, actually posts that I have to sit down and like, re- like internalize for a little bit. It's, it's that kind of good stuff. So Anna, you put out a post uh, in the last 24 hours about the best kind of asset to invest in, which I think, I think should get a lot of newbie investors thinking. And uh, you know what? I Honestly, it is so well done. I'm, I think a lot of newbies are going to miss it. So why don't we just kind of break it down? So what is the best investment for a newbie investor, Anna? So, you know, it really depends. Oh my God, it depends. <laughs> About <life>. Yes. <laughs> There's no one right answer, right? And that is important for you to understand. Anyone who says this niche is the only one that really works, the only one that's going to make you money, the best one in the world is short-sighted on that statement because the investment depends on the investor. What are your goals? What are your lifestyle goals? What do you want to achieve? And what do you want your day to look like? And depending on that, you may want to be an active investor or passive investor. You may want, and depending on what market you're in and the types of returns you need, Mm-hmm. Some markets you're going to do better in single family, some in multi, some in short-term rentals. There's all kinds of factors that make it depend. But really, um, what it comes down to is whatever investment opportunity comes your way, that you have the ability, the desire, the skills, the finances, and the goals to take down, it can be a great opportunity for you to consider and invest in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get very nervous. Most of the time I will run away when somebody tell when somebody's black and white like that. This is the best investment. This is, this is, this is. It's the one and only. It's the magic thing. It's the thing that nobody else knows. I'm like, it just doesn't work that way with, with real estate investing. Right. With anything. Yeah. Even even all the people today that are like Bitcoin is the only thing. I'm all in. Yeah. There's some real risk to being all in in one thing, right? Yeah. And as we talk through this, I think there's two risks that we have to kind of look at. One is don't go all into one thing, right? Because if that one thing crashes and there's some, you know, black swan event like a pandemic and a rental moratorium, (laughs) uh, eviction moratorium, you can be hurting if you're not diversified a little bit, right? Um, The other side of that coin, though, is if you're too scattered and you have squirrel syndrome and you look at a zillion different opportunities all the time, you won't have the focus that you need to really move the needle. So I do recommend that we talk through a lot of different things to say, what's the best asset niche for you to start with? Let's learn everything we can about that. Buy our first or our second and gain some experience. 
And then once we've done that, if opportunities are there that we can branch out into, then you can add a little bit of diversification, add a little more knowledge to what you're doing and take the step into either the bigger asset that's similar or a slightly different niche that's within real estate that's gonna help you to build on what you already know and give you some diversification, which always reduces risk. Yeah, there's so much wisdom in that. And we can just go back to your story or mine. Um, you know, We made a decision that real estate investing was gonna be how we changed our futures decades ago. We were committed to that. But in the very beginning, uh, we focused, right? I, you know, you called them squirrels. I, I always think of April Crosley um, when she says chasing butterflies, right? <laughs> I just get that visual image of butterflies flailing around. Um, she, again, you got to focus because um, just think about us in the beginning, right? For me, it started with houses. Why? Because that's all I ever knew, right? Yes. And then, you know, the market took off, right? Pre-bubble folks. And I'm like, well, I can't buy another house. I'm bummed. And I was going to an event and they're like, small multifamilies. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like a duplex? Oh, no. I mean, I still remember he tapped me on the shoulder and was like, oh, Michael, like, I don't know you. What are you doing? Uh, and then we do like five to 20 units. So we got out, right? We got out of houses into that. And then the crash happens and, and you know, we do houses and multis and we do a mixed use. And for me, focus was always one market, right? That's, that's right. That's, I've never bothered to learn other markets, which is probably a mistake, right? It's limited my growth for sure. Uh, but again, it's back to quality of life. I don't want to build yeah. another team. It's can I? Sure. Do I want to? No. So yes, I am where I am. I'm in the same exact place, Michael. And you know, I've done, you know, for those of your listeners or listeners that listened long enough, I've done single family rentals and mm -hmm. small multifamily. And that's how I created the financial freedom was really the small multis. And the singles I bought were essentially flips where I created equity mm -hmm. that I could put a tenant in it and then take all that equity to use to continue to grow in the small multi. So both of us knew our financial goal, right? So we started out with rental income that would help us to replace our rental income to get, get the true financial freedom. Mm -hmm. Once that financial freedom is there and you have enough cash flow coming in from your selected type of property that's bringing in the rental income, then opportunities start to come your way that you're like, oh, well, would I want to shift gear to this mixed use? Well, it's still rental income. The evaluation is pretty similar. So you didn't have to branch out to an extreme into something on the total other end. You're just kind of adding to it. But the key is we knew what our financial goals were, were, right? And too many people jump into buying saying, I want more money, but they don't really know what their short-term and long-term financial goals are. And so you've got to find properties that meet your current financial goal first and foremost. When we looked at the beach house, my future goal was be able to afford a beach house and be able to live in it without renting it out. But that wasn't going to happen. So I waited till I had enough money coming in that I knew that if I couldn't rent the beach house out and make enough money on it, my rental income from these other properties would sustain me until then. So, you know, I didn't go straight for the beach house and the lifestyle thing first. But once my financial goals were much, much closer to being met, then I could say, okay, now what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? And let's make some lifestyle purchases that still rely on rental income. It's just a little step outside of the norm. And those two questions to me are always the most important. No matter where you are in life, what's your current, your next financial goal? What are your financial goals five into the future? And what do you want to live like today? And what do you want to live like five years in the future? 
And any opportunity that comes that your way, if it does not fit your goals for your finances and your lifestyle today or five years in the future, pass on it and wait for an opportunity that's going to work in the short term before you start thinking about making big long-term investments or big risky investments that you're hoping pan out 20 years from now. Yeah. There's, there's so much wisdom in that. And the other thing, you know, for me, it's always been about how hard is my cash working? Yes. I call it yields. You can call it cash on cash. Um, But, but that was always my thing, right? I would work really hard during the day, during my day job to make as much commission as I could. We were lowering our expenses, which people don't realize that that's such a big part of our story Mm. was we went from spending hundred percent to spending 50 which gave us more capital to, to invest. Um, but yeah, it was always about cash on cash. And I kind of never, never left that. And where I was going with this is there's lots of talk about flipping and wholesaling and Airbnb and storage and a multifamily and mobile homes and all of that stuff. But for me, it all comes down to buying right. And that's what I call yeah. le- learning your market, right? Um, one thing I'm very, very good at is I've always done in my vernacular, right? There's a bad deal, which is an alligator, right? Negative cash flow. There's an average deal, which anybody and their brother could do, could buy out of the MLS. It's average for that market. I've always done good or great deals, right? I pass on average deals all the time. Um, yes. And I've gone, I've gone months and quarters without finding a good or great deal because um, yes. that's all I want to do. I don't, I never want to be average. So uh, for me, it's all about learning your market. Yeah, that's super important. And, and it kind of comes down to, you know, tying that to, to my post too, about knowing, knowing your skills, knowing your passion, knowing what you want, knowing what you do and don't have the experience to take down. Mm -hmm. So if I, if all I know is single family and small multifamily, and I decide I'm going to buy an RV park tomorrow out of state, I know nothing about the state, nothing about RV parks. I'm probably going to lose my shirt if I try to do it on my own. Sure, I could have huge upside, but there's huge risk. And that's the squirrel syndrome that goes, oh, there's an RV park. Maybe I should do it rather than I know what it is that I want. I know what it is that I'm good at. And in today's market where you've got to see a property and make a split second decision, like I want it or I don't, you have to know what you do know and you have to know what you don't know. And the only way you're going to make a really great deal is buying in markets that you really know well. Um, and if you don't know the market really well, you just have to understand you're taking on a, a level of risk there um, that that may be incongruent with your real risk tolerance and what you want. You know, even this property that we just talked about that I'm purchasing in Florida, you know, I've been loosely looking at deals in Florida for a year. Um, since I knew my son was going to go there. So I've been watching and learning the market a little bit so that when I did see the right deal, I could go, okay, that's it. Now I still have more to learn, but I have the experience of owning multiple short-term rentals, mm-hmm. multiple multiple vacation rentals here where the change in the market was really the risk, mm-hmm. but the fundamentals I knew. Right. So you shouldn't be taking on deals that are too big for your britches that are beyond your experience level whether it be the type of asset or the location or your market, know what you're really good at. Buy as many of those deals as you can that you know are great deals. Mm-hmm. And then when other things come up from time to time, if it's too big for your britches, find a partner mm-hmm. that does know it and that has like those, those congruent skills that offset yours. So maybe they know RV parks, um, you know the market. Y'all can work together, you know, to leverage your time, leverage your experience, 
but otherwise you have no place in getting scattered and going for these deals that don't work. Yeah. Just yeah. make sure that over the long term, and I told you this the last time we talked about this, I'd add a little bit in terms of other markets just to give you diversification if that particular market craters. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want to I want to poke at that RV park analogy a little bit more because there's so much in that. The, the thing that always got me is I hear it all the time, right? You're like, I'm a California investor, right? Fresno, California, specifically. I could go to, I'm just going to pick on a city, Cleveland, Ohio. And Cleveland, Ohio has better returns, right? Ex what I call ex Excel spreadsheet. But I know nothing about Cleveland, Ohio, right? Let's just say for whatever reason, somebody brought me a deal for 50 homes, right? So they're single family homes, a home in Cleveland, like a home in Fresno, blah, 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 blah. I could confuse myself to thinking they're just, oh, there's the same thing. And oh, by the way, I'm going to be making stuff up here. The return out there is 15%. Oh, by the way, I could I could sell an apartment in 1031 in. Right? I could convince myself that that is an awesome investment, but I have no no team, no infrastructure, no experience. I haven't done a, a one house. Why am I going to do 50? And the where I'm really going with this is if you get a deal like that coming, like if I got a deal for 50 homes in Cleveland, Ohio, across my plate, and I've never looked in Cleveland. What you need to realize as an investor is that deal has been shopped around every experienced Cleveland investor already, and they passed. Yes. And now it's coming to you because like, you're loosely in the market. People need to realize these, again, I'll just use this example, 50 single family home deal that came to you. It, is You're not in Cleveland. It has already been looked at by every experienced person there and they passed. Something's wrong. Yes. And that, you know, that is a really good point. So when we're looking at returns, the reason that people will start chasing yield or chasing a higher return and, and getting into things that they shouldn't is they think, oh, I am going to make this much more money because the pro forma says so, yeah, right? The spreadsheet told me. So we have to always thinking about, okay, return on paper isn't really the return. I have to think about what are the risks involved and what's the risks adjusted return for this opportunity versus the risk adjusted return for the opportunities that I'm already good at, my market that I know. Well, if I can make 10% returns, which is really small, right? But if I can make 10% in my own market that I know like the back of my hand, I can put it with the team and the processes and the systems I already have, my strong network, but I... I look at 15 and I, I don't know the people. I don't know the local economy. I don't know the risks of the economy. I don't know the legislation coming. I don't know contractors, property managers, partners. I have zero basis to say that I can reach that 15 when I'm starting from scratch. So is it worth an extra potential 5% for the time and the headache and the risk that I'm going to have to take on that I can make this one little you know, property, something great that other local investors that have all of that don't see. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. take a lower return on something that I know is a slam dunk and it's not going to derail me, not my time or my finances and, and, you know, have a, have it pretty good and just have a little less returns than what the other ones say on paper that they're going to yield. Yeah. A paper return is just that it's a paper return. It's, it's often not reality, but yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, we, we always think, again, going back to my 50 single family home example, right? Uh, we think we're special or we found that one nugget on the ground that everyone else missed. Real estate does not work that way. That deal was shopped around off market to the top 10 buyers in Cleveland, just picking on my example again, 
long before it went public and then it went on LoopNet or Crexy or whatever. And then, and then, and then, and then you found you to bring it to. It's been shot probably for months. Um, right. So, right. Yeah, yeah understand. Yeah, that's, that's really important, especially when you see these big portfolio deals. Because the other thing that happens is, is there will be investors that have a few really great deals, but they got a several alligators in mm -hmm. it. They know they can't sell the alligators, so they package them together. So you've got to you've got to buy the good, bad, and the ugly of the whole portfolio, and hoping there's a couple of diamonds in a rough that make the pain of the alligator mm -hmm. properties worth it. And if if they could be profitable, the seller probably wouldn't sell them. Yeah, you know, exactly. Portfolio. Now, granted, there's all kinds of reasons people sell, but it's buyer beware. You know, you have to be really careful when you leave your local market. Exactly. I'd rather exactly. see you stay in your market that you know really, really well and buy more properties in the same market. And that's kind of what I did. So you know, I added to the apartments, some storage and some garages, and then you know, some short-term rentals in some of my apartment units, mm -hmm. but I knew my market. And knowing the market is probably the best thing you can do to reduce your risk. It's when you try to go into a new market. Um, if you go in a new market doing what you know you're doing, you have some risk, but if you go in a new market with a new asset type, you're toast. Yeah, it's it's do it. it's going to end badly. It's going to yeah. you're going to overpay. You're going to be taken advantage of. I mean, the whole yeah, that that's that's dangerous. Like, and again, I, I the fifty house one. But just think of like a housing guy goes to an RV park in Texas. What do I know about Texas, let alone an RV park? I mean, like I've never owned one. Um, right. And again, it's been shopped to every RV buyer in Texas already. So. Right, right. Be careful. And that's where the, the only time you really should do that, that it comes back to partners, right? Is if you have partners that you're bringing something to the table for them. So maybe you've got a lot of investors and they've got a lot of experience, but they haven't worked with investors. Maybe you can do something together, mm -hmm. but you have to also be aware that there's way too many people that have a little teeny bit of experience in different areas. They get together, they decide to create this big investment and none of them really have the level of experience that they need to bring in investors mm -hmm. and take on the risk, not just themselves, but with investors as well. So I do you know, think that we need to be patient investors, spend time to learn, gain yep. the experience, gain the wisdom, learn how to ana analyze risk-adjusted returns and to mitigate all the risks that come in before you do a deal, and then do that before you start to bring on partners and then work with partners for years to get this stuff working well before you bring on investors. But this takes time. You know, it's taken you and I 20 years plus of investing to get to where we are today. And too many people just think, I see a return on paper. This is my ticket to wealth and I'm going to go all in mm -hmm. without really thinking about what is it that you want? What is it that you can handle? And is the opportunity within where you are today? Is it right for you for where you are today? And if it's not passed, because there's plenty of deals that'll be right for you where you are today and take all those things into consideration to make it a slam dunk deal for you mm -hmm. if you own it a year or five years or 20 years. Yeah, for me, folks, it all comes down to focus and daily discipline. Again, I learned a market I never lived in, never spent the night in. I, I, I became the best investor at three bedroom or four bedroom, two bath, single story homes in the Mayfair district, which is 93703 between 12 and 1500 square feet. That's all I looked at for years. Yes. That's what you got to yeah. do. It worked. 
absolutely. <laughs> Same thing with me with my multi units. You know, I started buying four unit apartment buildings in this little market. Why? Because nobody else was buying them. Exactly. <laughs> They were all flipping houses, buying singles, buying bigger multis, and these little four unit buildings sat. And I'm like, I can get them well below market. So I became the investor. And when there's a new four unit, 10 unit, 20 year unit property, I get a call sometimes before they hit the market now because exactly. I've become known for that. And I've, I, I've become the biggest and the best in my market for that. And now it allows me to continue to grow in this market, just like you said, you're doing in yours. So yeah. There, there is power in focus and getting really granular and focused on what you want and not getting off track unless a, a true, really great opportunity comes along that, that just requires a little bit of shift from what you're doing, but doesn't derail everything else you're doing. It's powerful. Yeah. What I'll tell you folks, if you, if you haven't been doing your stuff for five years, even that little shift will distract you, right? Focus, yes. daily discipline, focus, daily discipline. So Anna, how can people follow you and be part of your world? Facebook is where I'm most active at R Anna, REI Mom Kelly, also at LinkedIn. You can find me also at Greater Purpose Capital, which is where we invest in apartment syndications, where we go in and we make a true impact on the community and make strong returns for ourselves and strong returns on the impact that we're creating in the lives of our residents. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Go to Greater Purpose Capital right now and check it out. Thanks, Anna. Thank you, Michael. Mm -hmm.